Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, my friends, we have quite the treat for you. We're going to let you have an insight into one of the most successful real estate investors in the lifestyle's history, and uh, we're going to show you the difference between how a beginner mindset uh, drives your investing to a successful, long-term, mature investor, the way they think, and how they see the world. So here today to help us out is uh, one of the most successful real estate investors in lifestyle's history, Mr. Curtis Haynes. Welcome to the show, Curtis. Hey, Dale. Happy to be here. Great to have you with us, uh, Curtis. Uh, just for everybody out there to understand, uh, Curtis has been here about eight years, has uh, done over 50 transactions, and uh, he's looking at um, he's purchased um, 35 acquisitions, sold four of those, and now currently has about $600 million worth of real estate with about 7,400 units. Now, Curtis, that's way in excess of anything I ever did. And I want to talk today with you and let you take over this conversation today about the mental approach that you took from the beginning and what you see is important throughout this process. Now, I'm going to start the conversation off with the uh, infinitesimal and very infant-type conversation that I had with myself when I was starting, which was, hey, Dell, we need money to survive. Let's go buy properties that have cash flow. So when I started the process, Curtis, I was thinking income statement. How much income in? What expenses do I have to cover? Can I survive? It was all income statement, income statement. I think most people out there today live on an income statement basis. They're worried about, hey, what do I earn? And what can I spend with that? And what can I survive on? And so we we set up our life looking at the income statement every month, paying the bills, looking what the paycheck brings in, paying the bills, and trying to just survive and get by. But you're an advocate of something completely different. You're an advocate of the balance sheet. Now, before I let you take over in the conversation with that, I remember back when I first started trying to be uh, self-employed, I remember taking out a piece of paper every month and adding up what my income was. And then I would take it and I'd add it up for this month. Then I'd annualize that uh, and see what it would come out annually. And I would look at what I had total for the year and I'd look at what my annualized projection was. And I would continue to do that every month. And I had this sheet of paper, I just, just a stupid sheet of paper. I kept that transaction on. But my goal was to make my annualization number larger than my actual number and continue to grow that annualization number. And the whole focus was on income. How do I increase my income and push that income growth? Now, today, you're going to have a conversation about looking at what your 
assets are adding up to and what your net worth is adding up to. Something I never really even paid much attention to, to be honest with you, at the beginning, because I was worried about feeding myself and taking care of my bills. So why don't you take over from here and express to these people, maybe they're starting in a different place. Maybe you started in a different place than I did. Maybe it wasn't a struggle in the beginning for you just to survive. So you started out from a different point. Also, Curtis's accounting background, as I do. And so talk about where your mindset was when you came in and how you brought yourself to where you are today. Curtis, go ahead and take it over. Thanks, Dale. Yeah, it's a lot of lot of uh, good intro there. Um, so, so for me, starting off, this this shift to the balance sheet, uh, what we're going to talk about a little bit later, um, really didn't happen to till about six nine months ago, and and the light really uh, came on in my mind, and I got really really excited about that this new concept of focusing on the assets. But I think at the end of the day, it still gets you to the to the same conversation that you and I had when we first joined Lifestyles and when you first got into real estate was trying to get enough income to pay our expenses. And the funny thing is with just just like most people out there, it really doesn't matter how much money you make, we all are guilty of living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, I started off in accounting. I had a pretty uh, steady paycheck. I think it was somewhere in that twenty six, twenty seven thousand a year time frame, and I remember uh, struggling to, to pay my bills, and then I moved into sales in my career where really I had a chance to make a lot more money, and my first year, I think I still was around 30000 a year and living paycheck to paycheck, but within a, about an 18-month, two-year time frame, I was in the 200000 a year uh, W-2 uh, paycheck because uh, I was just really kicking butt in sales. Well, the funny thing was, I was still living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, I may have had the only really the only real thing that changed is maybe I had a bigger house, maybe I had a nicer car, but I still was scraping by, paycheck to paycheck, trying to 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 pay off my expenses, my living expenses. And I, you know, was in sales for 18 years, and I had my own company. Eventually, got my own company and started hiring salespeople and training salespeople and overseeing a lot of very successful uh, high-income earners in sales, and they were doing the same thing. It's just, a, it's just a very common, normal human thing to just, no matter how much you're making, whether it's 25000 a year or whether it's 100000 a year, is we just get consumed with this idea of buying things that we can't afford. We just it's just normal. I gotta you know, make more money, go get a bigger house. Make more money, go get a better car. Make more money, go get expensive jewelry, nicer watches, nicer clothes. And so what what ends up happening is before we know it, we start creeping into our um, retirement years and realize that we never really thought through all this. We've consumed, consumed, consumed our entire life and if we're not careful we're going to be hitting retirement and saying, crap, I don't have enough money to retire. I may have to work another 5, 10, 15 years. And that's really what I want to get across to everybody on this new concept is, um, which, again, it goes back to the original uh, thinking, Dell, that you did and that I did when I joined is having a stream of income that can uh, give me a little bit more freedom or add, add, you know, be a supplement to the W-2 income 
or actually be able to replace my W-2 income and give me the freedom to do what I want to do, whether that is to buy a nicer house or to uh, have a little more vacation time, but um, not be locked in this normal day-to-day grind of just keep on making money and keep on spending money. So, Curtis, when did did it start um, clicking to you and what brought it about to you that you should look at the balance sheet instead of just the income statement? Yeah, and and you introduced the concept of this in the two day, which which really didn't didn't hit with me until until later, and that was the simple conversation of what's your return on your net worth, and and for for most folks, that's just simply taking your passive income, income that whether you're sick or not working, it's income that you're making, regardless of what you do, it's just passive income. You divide that by your total. Uh, assets, your total net worth, and typically for for all of us starting off, it was less than one percent. I mean, we just never really had any kind of passive stream of income, and that passive stream of income is coming off of the assets. And so, what I've been talking about so far is we are all programmed to work very, very hard our entire life to buy assets we can't afford. That's just who we are. We're we're a consumer nation buying assets that we can't afford, working very hard to do that. And this concept of focusing on the balance sheet is let's let's change our, our way of thinking and let's go out and buy assets that work hard for us. Let's go out and buy assets that work hard for us, assets that generate passive streams of income. And there's lots of assets out there that, to choose from, lots of asset classes. It just so happens that I believe, you believe, real estate is that best asset class. And within the real estate, multifamily and single family uh, as a, a, the best alternative, in, in, in my humble opinion and what I've seen, to be able to, to generate those kinds of passive streams of income. So uh, what really opened my eyes was when I had a, uh, a meeting with a very, very high net worth family member who was a second or third generation um, high net worth family, and they introduced me to the concept of the family office, which is just simply um, a business that focuses on the assets of the family. And the main focus so Curtis, of the assets of that business is Curtis, to I'm get- gonna, I'm gonna, Curtis, I'm going to cut you off right there because this is a great discussion. I don't want you to get pushed off the back of the radio show during it. Okay, so we'll be right back. Curtis is going to cover up the fam- talk about the family office. If you want to call in, our number is 877-711-5211. We'll be right back with Curtis Haynes and the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. Lifestyles Unlimited is the real estate investor education and mentoring group that has been taking people by the hand and teaching them how to invest in real estate for over 25 years. Our students have been so successful at creating wealth and passive income that they've won local, state, and national investor of the year awards 10 of the last 10 years. It's easy to see why Think Realty Magazine named us the best in the U.S. If you're ready to add real estate to your portfolio, go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com to access our free live training event schedule. 
Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. With me today here is Curtis Haynes, one of the mentors out of the Houston market. And Curtis is probably one of the top three, if not top, investors we've had at Lifestyles, uh, currently with about 7,400 units. He's been doing this for about eight years, and he has quite the insight uh, because he's owned businesses himself, because he's been in accounting, and because he has just really outdone most of us as far as the amount of accomplishments he's made in a short period of time. So, Curtis, before we went to break, you were talking about the family office. Pick that up from the beginning, because I knew it was going to get cut off right in the middle of it. Pick that up again, if you would. Yeah, so... I, I met with a high net worth family that ha- had a family office, and I mean, we we spent a whole uh, other radio show really diving into that. So I just really want to give a brush uh, overview. The 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 office basically is a business, and the sole function purpose of that business is to fully um, utilize the family's assets. And and the way they benchmark their business is not on on uh, how much income that business generates. The way the family office benchmarks their business is the return on their assets. So so at that stage of, of wealth, they're not tracking income. It's not important because they are making more income uh, than they know what to do with. It's not about income. It's about return on uh, their net worth or the return on their assets. And that's how they're getting graded. And that really opened my eyes because it's really a subtle distinction. It's it's something that I can take, you can take, that the average Joe can take uh, all the way down to where they're at. And yes, when, when we're starting off in real estate and trying to replace our W-2 income, our focus has to be on, on our income. It has to be on trying to get enough passive income to replace our W-2. But once you hit that level is where I really want everyone to kind of start shifting the, the focus uh, on the actual return on asset uh, instead of um, focus on the balance sheet instead of the income. Because here's the, here's the subtle difference, Dell. When, when we are sitting back and looking, and when you're tracking, when I was tracking the income that I was making uh, off of real estate, I was doing the same thing you were doing. I was tracking that uh, year after year and getting really, really excited. It was my third acquisition when I finally replaced my um, W-2 uh, check, which was a big W-2 check because I had my own business, but it was really cool to see that. Um, and so I was tracking my income. But what I, what I didn't see was the actual return on my assets. And, and if I had been, if I'd looked closely at that, what I would have found is that what I thought was I was getting a great cash-on-cash return, like 10 15% cash on cash return on my on my assets I was only getting like a three percent return on my equity and simply stated there was a lot of built up equity gains because the asset grew in value that if I were to sell that and take all that cash it's like I'm taking all that cash and putting it into a three percent CD and that's that's that subtle difference so we can get really comfortable with the passive stream of income test and saying, yep, I've hit my goal. But then if we really just peel back one extra layer and say, wow, if I focus on my assets, focus on my balance sheet, and really see and judge and, and, and track my return on equity, 
it'll give me a better insight on how I can keep on redeploying the unrealized equity gains and building up that momentum even faster. So, Curtis, uh, as we go through this conversation, I would think back to myself along the way and especially think about the people that I've mentored over 25 years, and that is what most people believe is that they actually have a better rate of return as they pay off their debt. As they get their um, debt out of the way, they make more money. And so they make more money, they think they're doing better. And yet, we both know from the mathematics behind it that that's absolutely not true. But yet, there's this comfort zone of having stuff paid off. How do you address that? Yeah, I tell you, I, I was one of those that, that uh, raised my hand when you asked who paid off your your, uh, your house mortgage. And, and I was so proud of that, cutting that, that check and making that last mortgage payment, because that's what we grew up with. We grew up with loans are bad. It's, it's good. You're a good American if you pay off all your debt, right? That, that's what we grew up with. And, and so we all have this, this risk adverse to, to debt. And understanding that there's this difference between good debt, debt that is used to buy assets that generate passive streams of income, and this other not-so-good debt, assets that we can't, you know, buying assets that we can't afford that are not generating passive streams of income. So when people start to realize that there are certain types of debt that's good, uh, I think that helps um, ease their mind, that risk tolerance they have towards getting more, more loans. And, you know, the, the funny thing with, within real estate, it, it's pretty unique than any other business. It's, it's really easy to get a loan on real estate compared to trying to get a loan on another business. And so not only is it um, enhances your returns, and because it's self-collateralized, it's lower risk, and it's also easier to get. So um, hopefully when they and, – and it's not something I don't think that, that you'll get – you know, listeners will get um, today, but I think as they start diving into the world of real estate um, and hopefully join us at, at Case Study next week, and see some of the families' um, lives change by doing what we're talking about, they'll get a little bit more comfortable with that, the concept of adding more debt and leveraging to buy more assets that produce income. Well, you know, when you look at this thing, Curtis, there's this, um, this balance. And we talk about the people at the beginning, they're worried about the income, right? Then there's different levels of satiation of that income need. Uh, I remember when I just covered my my paycheck, and which was about seventy thousand a year, but my take home pay was forty. So when I first made forty, that was like covering everything I took home from my paycheck. I was like, wow, I'm happy. Uh, then when I made a hundred thousand a year in real estate, which is really like making a hundred and forty probably. Um, I was like, wow, this is more money than I ever dreamed I would ever make. And so I was satiated again. And at different levels along the way, I just completely shut down. I didn't care anymore. It just didn't mean anything to me anymore uh, how much money I made because I was making way more than I'd ever dreamed uh, possible or ever dreamed necessary uh, to make. And so 
at each of those levels, what I found myself doing, and I'm going to have you address this when we come back from a break, because I want you to think about it for a second to, to come up with it. At each of those levels, I had to play a game with myself, literally had to play a psychological game. Now, think about it. We're both intelligent people, uh, counting backgrounds for both of us. We understand the basic logic here. But why did I have to play games with myself to get myself to go back out and invest again? In other words, I've got as much as I need, I think. My brain's satiated. My goals are satiated. And money's piling up in the bank. It's just sitting there. And yet I've got to play a game in my brain to get myself to go out and take advantage of that money and get it out there into the marketplace where you're saying these people had to account a different way. We take a short break. We'll be right back with the answer to that with Curtis Haynes and the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. You're listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. Get total freedom in your life, safely and quickly. Build wealth and passive income so you never worry about working until you drop, losing your job, or retiring in poverty. Over 25 years ago, Dell Walmsley founded Lifestyles Unlimited. Dell has taught over 100,000 people, just like me and you, the principles of financial freedom through his national radio shows and personal one-on-one mentoring at Lifestyles Unlimited. I'm excited to tell you about the real estate workshop that has changed so many lives. This workshop takes you inside what we do and what we believe. We'll share with you the five ways we make money in real estate and much more. Just like your personal trainer, the Lifestyles Unlimited team will motivate, encourage, and teach you so you can get in the best financial shape of your life. Call 866-971-8970 or go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com. That's lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com to register for the workshop that will change your life. That's lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today is Curtis Haynes, the multifamily mentor out of the Houston market and one of the top real estate investors in Houston uh, in lifestyles history over the last 27 and a half years. Uh, Curtis, as we went to break, I had asked you a question about how did you and how do others overcome the little stair steps of satiation in your life where you say, wow, that's more than I've ever thought I'd have. And there you are making more income than you really feel like you need. And money starts to pile up in the bank. And the money feels very safe piling up in the bank. I mean, quite honestly, we all know that having a lot of money in the bank feels really good, really safe. And especially when you have enough income that you don't really want or desire more income. Now, everybody wants more. Don't get me wrong. But the the balance in your mind is you don't need it. You're not killing for it. Um, And so the safety slash, okay, I can do nothing and keep being safe balance compared to, oh, my gosh, I need to go out and take risk again, do it one more time. Uh, How do you overcome that? What kind of games do people play to overcome that mentally? Or did you just logically worked your way through it, just analytically pushed yourself? I mean, I think, I think a lot of us are, are hardwired a little bit differently when, when hitting something like that. And, you know, for me, uh, for, for folks that don't know you well, um, they, don't, they, they won't realize how much you care about others. And, and so you're hardwired uh, to really give back and help, help others as much as possible. And I think part of your the games that you play with yourself and pushing yourself, I think, ultimately is uh, is in the back of your mind, and in my opinion, 
there to help others. And for, for me, when I hit that first uh, step on my third acquisition, you know, why didn't I stop there? It was, it was for me at that point in time, thinking back, it was more of just I was just having too much fun. There was the, the actual day-to-day, quote-unquote, work that I was doing uh, in the side real estate was just so fulfilling because not only was it impacting my life and my family's life, but it was impacting uh, lots of my investors uh, and other friends and family's lives as well. We were all in this together. Like, it's not a, a solo um, endeavor. It's a team sport, and there's so many people uh, within lifestyles that, that are around you each and every day that benefit from what you're doing. So I think that, that enjoyment um, is what probably kept me going um, uh, each time I hit that stair step and really just that enjoyment of seeing others uh, succeed as much as I'm succeeding. And then, of course, uh, eventually getting to the point where you can do what you want to do. And for, for me and for I know for you too, Dell, if you, you enjoy, I enjoy helping others. And that's why I stepped up into the mentor role is because I had the time, I had the freedom because of those income steps to be able to give back more and more. So I think that's for me. That's that's kind of my my path through those different 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 hurdles. Well, that's a good point, and uh, I have. That's pretty insightful of you. I have purchased a lot of things simply so I could keep up with everybody else, so that I can continue to be able to teach it. If you can't do it, it's really hard to teach it, you know. And I found myself. Yeah. In situations where people were growing so fast, I was going, boy, the material's getting out in front of me. I better keep up with the material and, just to and, be able to teach. Yeah, it. and that's and then that's why I really want to want to scream out to everybody today is is that you know I, I was putting together some material for um, orientation, and I came across some facts, and this is though this is this is really you know from the standpoint of of why. I wanted to talk about this and what scares me for, for others and, and wanting to help others is, is a couple of um, uh, facts I want to, I want to share. Um, and I think you've heard this one before, but that the average person in the U.S. has $95,766 in savings when they retire. The median savings for retirement is only $5,000. So in other words, Half the population will have less than $5,000 in their savings when they retire. And that, to me, is absolutely ridiculous. And if we don't change what we're doing today, we're going to end up there. And the only way to offset that is to work an extra 5, 10, or 15 years. I just want people to start thinking about it today. And realize that it's not about how much income you're making today. It's not about how big of a property you can buy. It's about starting that mindset. Go out and buy one single-family rental and start that process. And that's what I want to encourage encourage everybody to do and talk about a real simple, basic concept of of your personal financial statement. You know, because we we talk about you know we're talking about assets, we're talking about net worth and we're talking about my, you know, me being an advocate for the balance sheet, and let, let's get nitty-gritty and, and help folks out there and say, okay, what I want everybody to do that's listening on the radio is I want you to put together your personal financial statement. And it's simply 
a list of your assets, like your house, your car, your cash, stocks, jewelry, all your assets, and then a list of your liabilities, your mortgage, your car loan, your credit card balances. You know, add the two up, and the difference is your net worth. And say, okay, I got a net worth of fifty thousand. I got a net worth of a hundred thousand. Start there, because what I don't want folks to 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 be is in a place where they're 55, 60, and they're staring at a savings account that cannot support their cost of living. And I think that that's what we want. I know that's what you want with, with doing with passive streams of income. That's what I want. I want people to wake well, you know, up. Curtis, it's interesting because I just thought of something while you were saying that, and that's that they're going to run into it eventually. Just because they put it off and stick their head in the sand right now, it's going to happen to them. I was at the gym the other day riding the bike, and I had been ill for about a week, and so I didn't have the energy to lift weights, so I just rode the bike. And I sat there, and I listened to two guys that had to be between 65 and 75 years old, somewhere in that range. I don't know exactly how old. But I listened to these two guys talking about how they had intend to retire. And one guy had the plan. He says, well, you know, my plan is I'm just going to keep working as long as I possibly can and take Social Security at the latest possible date. That way I'll get the most that Social Security will pay me. And the other guy had a slightly different plan. He goes, well, I'm going to quit while I can get a payout from my company. Um, I'm going to let them buy me out now. And then I'll have a little bit of money, and I'll start taking Social Security uh, later so that I'll get more. But that was their plan. How early or how late do I take Social Security is the difference between making uh, you know, $1,500 to $2,500 a month in Social Security. Um, whether or not they're going to work to continue to work to survive because that's all they have or whether or not they're going to actually take a buyout to get out of there. I mean, when I sat and thought about that, it was really, I, I knew that there's a radio show in there somewhere. I didn't know really where to put it, but I think you've coined it. It's like you're going to run into that decision somewhere in your life, whether it's you think about it now while there's still time to fix it or whether you put it off into the future uh, until you get to the end of the road, go, man, I don't have a lot of choices left at this point in my life. And I see a lot of people in that situation. Um, when you talk to people as a mentor and they're coming in, What's the average age that you're getting people coming in starting in this thing now? Any wow. idea? Wow. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know the average age. I know that it's across the board. We have we have folks that are in their uh, mid twenties, and we have folks that are in their um, early sixties. So it's across the board. I don't know what the average would be on that. Um, but I tell you, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's not too late. It's definitely not too late to start, uh, and no matter how young you are, it's not too early to start when it comes to this. Well, it can't be too late because it's the rest of your life. It's the only choice you have. The older you get, the less choices you leave yourself. And uh, one of the most interesting choices that I saw was a guy came in that was like 71, 72 years old. A couple months back, I think you might have even been there when we signed him up. And I said, why are you doing this? If you're 71 years old, you got a couple million bucks in the bank. He goes, because I want to teach my kids how to be entrepreneurs. And so I'm joining up and I'm learning this business with my grandkids to teach them how to do this. I thought that was an interesting concept that he was going to get out in front of that early on 
with his grandkids, even though he had already made it himself. So there's a lot of reasons to get in front of this stuff. Uh, at whatever age you are, you need to get out there and get into it one way or another. Uh, we're going to take a short break now. If you want to ask Curtis a direct question, our number here is 877-711-5211. You realize Curtis is very successful at this business. You might want to ask him a specific question, something that you you know, would want to ask somebody that's gone from zero to over the top. We'll be right back with Curtis Haynes and the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. You're listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. What would happen if you didn't show up for work tomorrow? For the next couple of days? For a week? A couple of months? A year? How long until you lose everything you've worked for in a fraction of the time it took to earn it? If this fear keeps you up at night, it's time to learn the strategies we teach at Lifestyles Unlimited. Start with the free workshop. Go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com and find your true financial peace, like so many of our members already have. That's lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to the Del Wamsley Radio Show. With me here today is Curtis Haynes, a multifamily mentor out of Houston, Texas. And Curtis, uh, today you want to get people started taking action. Why don't you outline for them a couple steps that they should take and some ideas that should go behind those steps as to getting in line mentally with what you're trying to teach them? Thanks, Del. I'm glad you bring that up. I, I would say step number one is go create your personal financial statement. Uh, you can go out and Google and download um, a personal financial statement. It's fairly simple to fill out. Um, if you don't want to go that far, just list out your assets and list out your liabilities. And take a look at your net worth today, and, and that's the first step I'd want someone to do, is take a look, with, look at their net worth today. And then secondly, once you've done that, I want you to look for assets that um, have unrealized equity in there that you could potentially uh, use and and use to buy a property, go buy a passive income uh, uh, producing property. So number two is when you look at your, your personal financial statement, look for assets that you can use to deploy. And so think about your your assets as a resource, and your focus should be, how can I get those assets working for me, as opposed to me going out and working hard to buy assets I can't afford, how can I get these assets here working for me? And then finally, track it and be be honest with with uh, with somebody about it. Say, hey, you know, I just did this this return on my net worth, and it's point zero 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 one. You know, that's literally what mine was when I started out. I had no real estate experience. I had no assets, and stepped into the world of real estate. And thanks to you, Dell, and all the support and help within Lifestyles help me get to where I'm at today. And so I would I would say the last step is come out and join us and see what it's really like for some families that have experienced this, that have bought their first property, and, and to see the, the look in their eyes, the, the stories they have. So step one, create your personal financial statement. Step two, figure out how much you can uh, deploy to get working for you. Step three, tell a friend about it so they can hold you to be a little more accountable, and then finally come out and join us next week. You know, Curtis, uh, you spoke earlier about 
the family being accountable for their balance sheet and their rate of return on assets. Um, do you remember who it is who held who accountable for that? Yeah, it, it, the, the, the family itself. So it would be the families going back and looking at, at the business itself. So it would be the CIO, CFO, CEO of that family office. And so for, for me, it would be myself. Like I would put on, I don't have a staff of people to work on my family's assets. It's just me. And that's where I'm glad you asked that for other people. Someone in the family should declare themselves as the CEO and that person be held accountable to, to generate those returns. Well, the reason I ask is because I've found that there is a phenomenon that uh, I've noticed for 27 years of consulting people, and that is in most families, the right hand doesn't know what the left hand has. Uh, in other words, I found even husband and wives don't talk about the money they have. They definitely don't talk to their kids about how much money they have or where they have it or what they do with it. It's almost like it's taboo. And so I wondered, you know, who does keep you accountable? Where in your family do you have that opportunity? Now, I'll tell you a story before you answer that question, is that when I first started uh, dating Melissa, my fiance, uh, I took her and her kids to my CPA's office to do my tax return and had my CPA explain to my fiance and her kid where and how I made my money. Uh, now, you could say, well, that's bragging. No, it was really, I simply wanted them to understand that the way I make money is completely different than the way that child's father did, you know, the way she had her whole life, and that it was something that was that they needed to understand is what I'm trying to get to. Have you ever had that situation where you run into people that won't talk about money? Yeah, and I think that is um, that is the normal kind of reaction is like, oh, I don't share my W-2 because that's what we were taught to not share W-2 with other employees. Um, and so that is a normal reaction. Um, once you really start I interacting with folks, uh, like-minded individuals, uh, it becomes easier and easier to share your W-2, your income, to share your your net worth. And I think, you know, the really, really cool thing, Dell, about that is we, we're seeing lots of families uh, tackle real estate together from husband and wife to even 13-year-olds getting involved into into the real estate. So it's making it a family affair, which is, which is really cool to see that happening uh, live at Lifestyles. Yeah, that's uh, the one thing that I feel... Um let down about is that I never got my family involved in the actual real estate. Now, my fiance, she was in the business for 25 years, a different thing, but my daughter never really got interested in it. And, uh, you know, I didn't bring her into the business. So um, that's a mistake on my part. I see a lot of people now are doing that. And uh, a lot of kids really get into it. That's what's interesting is how many children actually enjoy this stuff. Um, I've seen some people do some strange things. Like um, the other day, somebody said they took their child out and bought their child the first house. This is the ladies out of uh, South Carolina. She bought her kid a house and let the child invest their savings as a portion of that so they get a portion of the profit. So, man, that's some real you know, straight line thinking to get a child at that age to think about, I'm saving my, you know, hard earned allowance and putting it into an investment. It's paying me return. So Curtis, I want to thank you for being on the show. Uh, really appreciate you sharing your time uh, on the radio show and your time as a consultant and mentor, and really appreciate you being out there being a, a leader in the group and going places where no one's gone before and sending back maps. Thanks for being on. 
Thanks, Dale. All right, for the rest of you out there, keep this in mind. Curtis doesn't do this just for money, and neither do the rest of us. We're doing this for the same reason you should be doing it, for an incredible lifestyle. That's what it's all about. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. Information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.